the back porch. This is co-host Cruz Chavez. Uh, I am alone this week, uh, but no worries. We've got Jervis, who is at Super Summer, along with a few other of our students who are uh, within the youth. They're all at Super Summer. Super Summer is just a great opportunity for leaders in the church to uh, really grow in their faith. Uh, like they already, they may know a lot about Scripture. They may be really good at uh, leading, inviting, and just and just being a part of the church growth. Well, uh, Super Summer is held at. Oklahoma Baptist University held in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and like I said, it's just a great opportunity for um, our students and for Jervis to be there this week to capitalize on what it's like to be a a leader in the church, uh, a leader in your work, uh, a leader wherever you go, a leader in school, and so this is just a great opportunity for them to uh, really focus a lot on scripture and focus a lot on God. I'm super excited to hear back uh, from them and just can't wait to, to hear what they have to say. Um, so I am alone today, but no worries. Today we're just going to cover Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, this past Sunday, TJ was kind of describing a little bit of, of, of the church of Ephesus and, and, who, and what the church of Ephesus meant to John. And so I'm just super, super excited to get started today. Um, So I'll just go ahead and start off by reading just that chapter, verses 1 through 7. So here we go. It says, To the church in Ephesus, uh, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you and are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you, but I have this against you, that you abandoned the love you you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. And do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has has to say to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, the descriptions of Jesus. We talked a little bit about who John was. He's on the island of Patmos. Uh, he was visited by Jesus, and, and Jesus said, write down all these different things. And so he was going through the seven stars, the seven lampstands. Uh, we're going through the description of what Jesus looked like, what, or at least what John saw. And, and so this week... Last week, we focused on the seven different churches all together. Well, this week, we're taking a deep dive into the church of Ephesus. And so this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of details here, but it's super exciting. So real quick, uh, just to kind of start off with verses one, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands. 
So we talked, I'm pretty sure we talked a little bit about this last week. Anytime that you see these, these, these words in your right hand or held in your right hand or, or right at the right hand of the Father, we know that that is a sign of authority. And the most beautiful thing and, and thing that we can have our faith in things uh, or something that we can have our confidence in is that Jesus has authority, that God gave Jesus authority over these churches, over these seven, uh, over these seven angels that are over these churches, and so now Jesus is visiting with John, and he's just saying, "Hey, write this down. I've got a letter that I want you to compose for the church of Ephesus." And uh, one of the things that TJ focused on this past Sunday, which was pretty cool to think about, uh, was his relationship with this church of Ephesus. John had been there to break bread with with this church. He was there to help raise up students. He was there to help raise up um, maybe young parents, young adults. He was there to help raise um, or guide even older couples, people who have been married for 10 10 or 12 years. And so he's just been there for a lot. And so he just it's super meaningful and super powerful to get to see John have uh, to write one more letter to this church of Ephesus, to this church in Ephesus. Um, at this point, John has been sentenced to the island of Patmos, and so who knows what, how much contact he's actually had with this church and the other churches. And so when Jesus comes to him and he says, hey, I want you to write a letter. John, John's immediate uh, instinct is, okay, to who, right? And then, and then whenever he finds out he's writing to the church of Ephesus, it's just like he goes crazy because he's, like I said, he's had a, a really deep relationship with this church for many, many years. And so he's super excited to be writing to the people that he loves, uh, writing to the kids that he loves, writing to uh, maybe some of the the people that were in his youth at that time and now they're full-grown pastors. Maybe he's talking to uh, elders in the church who have just helped grow this church like like crazy. And so he's just super excited to get to write one more letter to this church in Ephesus. So um, we know that the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, that is describing Jesus. And so, this is what Jesus has to say to the church of Ephesus. And so, Jesus is having John write these things down. So, verse 2 says this, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. And so, what Jesus is doing there is he's having this, He's building them, building them up, and at a later point, we're going to describe a little bit about what what his end goal here for this church is. But we know that here he's saying, "You, I know your toil, I know your works, your patient endurance. Now you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who have called themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false." And so he's saying. You cannot bear the name of these false pastors, these false preachers, these false prophets. And oftentimes, 
there are a lot of people in our lives who proclaim they know the way or who, who will make up um, anything uh, just to get just to get clout, just to get followers, just to get attention. And this church was was seeing some of that during this era. Now, one thing that I want to explain a little bit about um, about some of these churches and about the letters to these churches, that's just because Jesus is writing this letter to these churches, it doesn't mean that it only applies to them. There are so many things that God wrote in the Bible that is still applicable today. There's so many things that God wrote and he wrote in a certain way so that it would always be uh, applied to our generation. Not just to the church of Ephesus, not just to the church in Smyrna, not just to King David, not just to John or, or Luke or Matthew or any of the people that, that Jesus healed during uh, or in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know that, that anything that God wrote in Scripture, it can always be applied even in today. And so whenever we see that he's writing to the church of Ephesus, we can assume that he's not just writing to the church of Ephesus. Yes, the church of Ephesus was a literal church. Yes, the church of Ephesus um, is no longer there. But he's still talking to all churches because under God's kingdom, there's only one kingdom. That's God's kingdom. Under that kingdom, you have all of his people. And you might have ever so many churches like here. And I know we probably have like five different churches. But if we all come together, we all proclaim to be Christian, we all serve one God, then imagine that just being one ginormous church. And so Jesus is writing this letter, not just to John to, uh, to write to the church of Ephesus, but he's talking to us as well. And, and so he, he's saying that during this era, this church was battling people who were coming and professing and proclaiming that they knew Jesus or proclaiming that, that they have, have another way or that Jesus is not the only way uh, to get into heaven. And what Jesus is saying is this church could not bear to stand with them. And so, again, going back to John and his relationship with this church, John probably already knew that. John probably knew that this is okay. Like, you know, maybe I'm just going to touch up on some of the things that I taught in the past. Maybe I'm going to just remind them, right? Like, maybe I'm just going to uh, just write this, this letter saying how much I miss them, saying how much uh, I love them, and I got a visit from Jesus, and this is what he's saying. And, and so I just wanted to remind you guys, hey, this is what we have in common. Like, what we battled when Jesus was walking around and after his after he was crucified and rose three days later, and these are the thing, these are the things that we were preaching on, and to this day, at this point, John is like 80 or 90 years old. And so, and so all these years later, John is saying, Hey, these rules still apply. I know that you're you're patiently enduring. I know that you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who can who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. One thing that I've learned recently is there will be false prophets. There have always been false prophets. 
there will always be false prophets. People, uh, a prophet is someone who, who proclaims they know what's going to happen in the future. They proclaim they know uh, what, what, what events are going to take place, whether it's small detail or maybe it's just something so generic like, I know who the next president of the United States is going to be, right? It can be something so generic as that, or it can be something so so detail-oriented. And so false prophet, uh, during this time, they would test false prophets by, okay, if whatever this man says is true, then we know that God spoke to him. And the way that they would test that is, one, uh, they would see if it would come true, but they would also see if all of it would come true. A false prophet, even if he was 50% accurate, then he's wrong. Even if he's 80% accurate, then he's wrong. We know that scripture, anything, anytime that God reveals the future, anytime that God reveals his will um, to people, through uh, in scripture, through prophets, or through apostles, or through just any sort of vision or dream, or any sort of story that we read in scripture, it's always been accurate. It's always been 100% true. Not 80%, not 75%, not 90%, it's been 100% true. And so, during this time, that's how they would, that's how they would judge and determine Okay, is this guy a true prophet or is he a false prophet? So, moving on, uh, verse 3, it says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And again, and again John, writing this letter, he says, yes, yes, like finally, like uh, all these years later, the church of Ephesus is still doing great. Not only that, even Jesus sees it. And here I am writing this letter to the church of Ephesus for Jesus Christ. And just imagine him being super pumped because he's, he's known this church for years. And not only has it been around for years, but all these years later, Jesus is saying all these good things about the church of Ephesus. I know you are patient, you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. Just imagine, at the end of your life, Jesus could say that about, about your faith. Just waiting patiently. Especially during that time. Christ had just died. Uh, John had, was sentenced to the island of Patmos. And so all these people were being scattered. All the apostles were dying. And so they were, uh, the, these churches, they were just waiting for Christ to return patiently enduring for Christ to return, patiently enduring for God's kingdom to return. And so here they have this letter, they can expect this letter, and John is writing this to them. And he's saying, you have patiently endured, bearing up for my name's sake, for, this, for the name of Jesus' sake, and you have not grown weary. That would be a really good feeling to have. To know that my God can say that about me. To know that John is writing this letter to me all these years later. And again, I don't know what kind of contact he's had. I don't know if he gets some sort of notification or some sort of update, right? 
about the church of Ephesus. I don't know if he uh, knows if they added a new addition to the building or if they grew this many in number. But we know that they were patiently enduring and bearing up for the name of Christ. And they have not grown weary. And, and Jesus reveals that to John. And so John, again, is just super excited to be writing these things down. And then verse 4. It says, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. And so we go from, from John being super excited to John being heartbroken. Because verse 4 is about, is about something that they're doing wrong. And again, you've got to remember that John was, was, John was, was, he was raising up this church. He was leading this church. Not only was he leading this church, but there were so many great and powerful names that came through this church during that era. There, you had Apollos, you had Paul, you had Timothy, and you had John. You had all these great leaders who were leading this church, guiding this church, preaching to them, uh, raising them up, growing in numbers, and just doing so many great things. And then John has to write that down to this church. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, what is he talking about in this particular uh, verse? To abandon your first love. How can you be patiently enduring for my name's sake, for Christ's name's sake, but then you also, at the same time, you've abandoned your first love. I think the truth is, we talk about how the church, it, we, we focus so much on ministry, we focus so much on giving back to our community, we focus so much on helping others in need, and those are good things, and we focus on how uh, whenever we, we patiently endure and we don't, we don't, we basically don't, uh, what's it called? Um, cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who, who call themselves apostles. Like we talk about how we do all these different things. But then we forget why we're even doing them in the first place, Right? And so just imagine John writing all these good things down and then he gets to that part where Jesus is saying, hey, write this down too. And I can just imagine John as he's writing all these, all these good things down first. And then he just stops or maybe he slows down his writing. And he's like, what? What's going on? What, what, what happened? What where did I lose them? This is a guy who, who probably felt like he did a poor job at this point, raising the church, and, and, he, and it feels like it's all his fault because he's sentenced to this island of Patmos, and who knows how much connection he has to this church? Who knows how much he can actually uh, guide this church? And at this point, they're having to lead themselves by themselves, and, and he can't really communicate with them. He can't really write them letters and and this is the first letter, probably the first letter that he's having to 
right to this church and and he finds out that this this is what's going on that they've abandoned their first love and so John writes these things down and to abandon your first love means to abandon Christ to forget why you're doing any of these things in the first place Verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So verse 5, and this is, this is a typical Jesus moment right here, right? Especially for all Christians, for all humanity, and, and specifically for the church of Ephesus. No one is perfect. No one, no one could ever live a life so perfect as Jesus did. And what does Jesus do to the church of Ephesus? Because they were not perfect. He offers, he offers forgiveness. But he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. Repent. Confession, repentance, and acceptance. That's what I teach my students on Wednesdays. Confession of your sins. Repenting, asking for forgiveness, and acceptance. Accepting that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Accepting that Jesus is the only one who is perfect. Accepting that he is the only way to eternal life. And so Jesus is saying, remember therefore where you have fallen. Remember, therefore, that you are our sinners just as anyone else. Remember, therefore, why we're doing this in the first place. And then he warns them. He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So Jesus places Seven lampstands out into the world. And he's got seven, he's got these seven churches, and that's what these lampstands represent. And they're all scattered out. And he's got authority over these seven churches. And he's saying, if you don't repent, I'm going to take your lampstand away. I'm going to take your church away. But there were also seven angels. And that's what the seven stars represent. And so every, over every church, there is one angel who is over that church. Now, there has been talk about who are these seven angels? Are they uh, leaders in the church? Are they pastors? Are they, is it something that we can't see? You know, what are these, how, in what way do these seven angels work in these seven churches? What we know about the church of Ephesus today is that it no longer exists. Even though that they were reading this warning to them, even though that they received this letter from John, who was a very important person in the church of Ephesus, who was very, uh, very high in status, high in virtue. He was just a very well-known, very accepted, very popular man, and he was writing 
to the church of Ephesus a warning from Jesus from the island of Patmos. And remember, the island of Patmos imagines all these waves crashing down and it being so loud and it being hard to hear Jesus. And John being 80 or 90 years old, he can barely hear, he can probably barely see, he can probably barely get around, and yet here he is writing this letter to, to the church from Jesus. And we know that today, that that church no longer exists. It's like they heard the warning and maybe they turned things around for a little bit, but like most of us, we lose our way again. One thing that I love so much about False Creek, I love that we can all come together as one big body of church, kids and students and adults and leaders from all of all of all over Oklahoma. Some even come up from Texas. Some come up. Some come down from Kansas. I'm sure some come from Arkansas and other states. But we all come together and we worship God. We all have that in common. And it's like this spiritual high for all of our students because this is a moment where they can truly be a worshiper of God and not have to worry about someone else judging them for raising their hands, about dancing, for uh, worshiping Jesus, and just being goofy and studying scripture three or four or five times a day taking notes endlessly and just being super exhausted, staying up till midnight, waking up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. just to get the day started all over again. And it's all for Christ and it's super amazing. But one of the things that that can be that can be a hindrance is that second or third week after we come home. Because we set this high expectation. We set this high bar for what God has called us to be in the church, in ministry, in our, in our high school, or in college, or in our workforce. And, and we go back, we go back to, to all these places from Falls Creek. And knowing that God has revealed his will to us. But then two, three weeks later, we're back to our normal selves. We're back to our normal routine, right? Maybe we're caught up in our messages. Maybe we're caught up in on social media. Maybe we're caught up in um, the news. Maybe we're caught up in working so much that we forget to journal every day. We forget to read scripture. We forget to pray. And I think that is what happened. I can just imagine Imagine that's what happened. They got a small booster shot, right? Like they got a small booster shot from this letter of John and saying like, hey, this letter's from John. Like, you know, you remember John, right? The same guy that baptized your kid, the same guy that taught me, and now I'm a pastor leading in his steps. Yeah, that John. And he's writing to us. And he's saying, this is from Jesus. And he's saying, this is what Jesus said. And he's saying, we've got to turn from our ways. We've got, to, we've got to remember. And it was a warning. And so I can just imagine them being super excited to get this letter from John and that it was 
that it was spoken by Jesus. But then as time goes on, what happens? They lose their way. It's very common, but Satan is very crafty. Because anything that he can do to destroy the church, he's going to use. And these were very, very important words because Jesus is warning them, saying, if you don't remember where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. Remember why we're doing this. Remember why we are here. And then continue to do that. Be diligent. I remember when I was in college uh, at RSU, I was running at Rogers State University, and uh, my coach, he was a very, very, um, he was a very good leader in the church. He was a devout Christian, and I remember one of the things that he shared with me, and it was diligence. Diligence is the key. If you want to be a good reader, if you want to be a good runner, diligence. Do your workouts. Do your runs. Lift the weights. Don't forget to do your crunches. Don't forget to stretch in the end. Don't forget to hydrate. Don't forget to eat good food and nourish your body. Don't forget to get proper rest. And he was saying being diligent in all of those things all the time. Not some of the times, not most of the time, not, not a little bit of the time, all the time. And I think about some of these professional athletes who they are where they are today because of diligence. Or maybe some of these celebrities, they are where they are today because of their diligence. And so Christ came back to remind them, hey, don't forget to do these things that you did at first. Don't forget to do the things that you loved doing, you had a passion for. Don't forget why you're doing them. And I just, I just, it takes me back to uh, that one, that one scene when, when Jesus is, um, I believe it was when Jesus, well, you know, I can't remember exactly, but he was talking about exactly when, when Jesus was saying, there's always going to be the poor, but you're never going to have me. You're not always going to have me. And so that was a moment for Jesus and for me that I realized, okay, Jesus is the most important. That yes, taking care of the homeless is important. That yes, taking care of your kids is important. And yes, uh, going to work is important and doing all these things is important, but we can't remember why we're here to begin with. And that's Jesus Christ. That's my Lord and Savior. That's, that's the, the name, the only name, that's the Son of the living God who, whom I one day hope to see above all else. He's got to be at the very top. He's got to be the reason why I go and serve He's got to be the reason why I love my family. He's got to be the reason why I continue to lead in the church. And so, moving on to verse 6. It says, Yet this you have, 
You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And, and Jesus being gracious and, and being, being trying to compare and trying to relate to this church, he says that, he includes that in his message, in his letter. And so there are people who believe that uh, based on based on what TJ was talking about, there are people who believe that Jesus can't hurt, hate a certain group, or people are saying that Jesus can't um, hate a certain act. Like Jesus can't ever hate. Basically, they assume that because Jesus is perfect, because he's the Son of God, because God is all loving, because Jesus is all loving, and because of his grace and mercy, that he can never hate. Well, in verse six, it says yet. This you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Those came from the mouth of Jesus. And what he's saying here is during that time, the Nicolaitans were a group of people who came to conquer. That's literally what their, their name represents. It means they came to conquer people. They came to conquer nations. Not only would they come to conquer, but they would keep people from Jesus. They would keep people from God. They would, they would not allow anyone to worship Jesus, to worship the gospel, to worship God. And so they would keep, keep them from that. They came to conquer. They came to kill. They came to destroy. They came to just completely dismiss everything that Jesus did and died for and rose for. And so Jesus is saying, I know that you hate them, which I also hate. And maybe, maybe that's what he was saying that you're patiently enduring for. Maybe he, that's what he was saying that you have to live amongst these people or you have to live, you have to be neighbors to these people and you're patiently enduring, but you cannot forget why we were here to begin with. And so verse seven, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I truly believe Jesus is talking to the believer. I believe that Jesus is talking to, uh, to those who are reading the scripture and are seeking God, truly seeking God for righteousness sake, not to prove the falsehood of scripture, but to prove that Jesus is real, to prove that Jesus does exist, to prove that everything that he did and everything that he said will come to pass, including the warning to this church of Ephesus. And so he's saying, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so he's saying eternity we can spend our whole lives serving, worshiping, reading scripture, and prayer. But like scripture says, if we, have, if we don't have love, then it's all for nothing. We have to continue loving Christ. We have to continue loving people. But Christ always has to be on top. God always has to be on top. He has to be the reason why we do these things. And that's the reward that God is offering. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, 
which is in the paradise of God. Father, just thank you so much for revealing your, your will to us. I thank you so much for just allowing us to read your word. And I thank you so much for sending Jesus to go back and visit, visit John and so that he could write this letter to the church of Ephesus. Father, I pray that as we continue reading through Revelation, that we don't just see words on a page or we don't just see a letter written to Ephesus, but we see a letter written to us, written to our church, written to our heart. I pray that we can take that and meditate on it and pray over it. And Father, I just pray that you just reveal your will to us as we continue reading all of this. And, and if anyone out there who has questions, I pray that they may seek guidance and seek your answers. Oh, we love you. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining this week. Uh, I know it's a bit short, but um, thank you guys for joining. And, and if you have any questions, you can always comment or uh, reach out to me. Some of you may have my phone number. Uh, you can find my, my contact information on the porch website. Uh, you can also find the sermons from Sunday mornings on our port, the porch website. It's uh, the porch in Inola. It's under TJ Helling. My name is Cruz Chavez. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out anytime. Also, like and share. That's how uh, we want people to hear about the scripture, hear about the word. And if you know someone who is interested in going through Revelation and they've never been through Revelation because they're a little bit nervous, because they're, they're a little afraid, this is a great opportunity for them to jump in. And not only that, it's a great opportunity for you to jump in with them. And so going through this together uh, is great community, it's great fellowship, and it's just a great Bible study. Thank you guys so much for joining. Talk to you next week.